Hey everybody, welcome to Brain Over Belly. I am David Brown from Everest Surgical Institute and Idaho BMI. This podcast is all about solving the puzzle of obesity and the other diseases that are overwhelming our society and shortening our lives. It is high time for a new approach and better understanding of what is really going on. What we are witnessing isn't normal. I want to pivot in a new direction. Let's get started now by putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Thank you for joining us. For the video version of Brain Over Belly, visit our Idaho BMI channel on youtube.com. Hey everybody, welcome to Brain Over Belly. I'm David Brown. Uh, I have with me today, Kate Armstrong, our nurse practitioner at Idaho BMI. Welcome, Kate. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Today's topic is, does science support the vegan diet as being superior for health and longevity? Um, I want to say at the outset, this is not an attempt to undermine or tarnish anybody or criticize anybody. Um, But I think there's a lot of information everywhere. People generally are interested in being healthy, generally interested in living a long life. And there's a lot of information, a lot of voices uh, with opinions about how to live longer, how to be healthier, how to reverse metabolic disease. And it can be extremely challenging to sift through all the information and really figure out what's true and what is the best path for an individual. If uh, you enjoy watching or listening to this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to the channel. That way you'll get updates when new podcasts are released every two weeks. So, What I have found in the last 10 years or so is that individuals, some of them physicians, non-physicians, who very much uh, advocate for and argue for the vegan diet as the solution to our health problems, they almost always refer to particular studies and nutritional medical studies that have been published in peer-reviewed uh, journals. And they're sort of the staples of the movement of the vegan diet. And I, I think it's worth going through some of those primary foundational articles that are almost always used by these individuals. And the claims that are made in those articles or the interpretation of those claims. Right, right. There's a... There's a a bit of a disconnect in my opinion. So, uh, we went through and brought up, printed out some articles. Uh, One article that's used all the time is um, by an author named Dean Ornish. A well-known guy, has been around for 30 years or so in this community of diet and wellness and nutrition and longevity. Uh, But he had published uh, in 1998 a paper um, that supposedly proves that the vegan diet reverses coronary artery disease, okay? Um, And again, this is one study that is used as, again, that word proof that the vegan diet is superior to any other way of living from a nutritional standpoint. So, in the research community, um, 
there's this thing called a randomized controlled trial. It's thought to be a, sort of a gold standard of answering straightforward questions. You know, you break people up into two groups and you ha- one of them is a control group and the other one is the in- interventional group where you do some intervention to see if it made a difference. It's incredibly complicated. Um, but in this study published by Ornish, um, there were a total of 48 patients. Okay. Right there, um, it's a red flag. It's a pretty small group. It's tiny. And some of your bigger trials that are designed sort of optimally have thousands and tens of thousands of, of patients in them. Uh, this study had 48, 20, so two groups. One was the control, and they follow these, followed these people for one year, and then I think it was 3.7 years. 15 people in the control group finished the study, and 20 from the interventional uh, group. So that is an incredibly small number of people. And at the outset, you know this study does not have the what we call power, the ability to answer the question because these numbers are so small. It's just from the gate, anybody who reads scientific literature and is educated in how to interpret the scientific literature moves on right when they see those numbers. Right. And, and what were the groups they picked from the outset? So, yeah, both groups of people had established coronary artery disease. So they had had angiograms that showed stenoses in their coronary arteries, um, or they had a heart attack, myocardial infarction that had been diagnosed, or they had a positive stress test. In other words, all very common ways of diagnosing Heart disease, coronary artery disease, which is the leading cause of death in America and has been for as long as we've been tracking those numbers. So, what was the intervention, Kate? The intervention, well, what was the intervention or what were the interventions, plural? Plural. Yeah. Do you remember what they were? I remember there was there was a dietary changes, right? They had they were coached on a vegan diet, so omission of animal products, dairy. Meat, obviously, uh, fish, and then uh, they had some lifestyle coaching. They had smoking cessation um, coaching, stress management, exercise, psychological counseling, and group therapy. Yeah, this this is a huge intervention. In other words, they're they're tackling the problem, heart disease, from a lot of different angles trying to improve this disease. Um, And in the control group, they just continued living the way they had up to that point. Well, after a year, um, they did testing, like angiography. It's where you squirt dye into the coronary arteries and you can see, is there narrowing or stenosis? And after one year, they noted a decrease in, in, the, in the intervention group, the people who were vegan, exercise, quit smoking, stress management, group therapy, there was a decrease in the degree of stenosis of 1.75%. 
really a sm- hey it didn't progress and get worse um but that's a very very small number um and that's what they found and in the control group it the stenosis are nearing increased a little bit i think it was two two and a half percent and the way that they measured the before and after is that something that's been validated over time to be accurate uh it was not a standardized protocol which is a fundamental problem with this study um it was not standardized a little bit of a hodgepodge approach in well how did they how did their coronary artery disease do from an anatomic perspective mm-hmm. so which is fine which is is great but essentially i walk away from this study my conclusions are i can make absolutely no conclusions from that study it's not big enough not designed in a way to be able to actually determine if there's a difference uh which is fine there are a lot of studies like that the problem i have is the way this study is explained and used um, by people in that movement claiming that the vegan diet has been quote-unquote proven to reverse crawl every time you use the word proven absolutely and why is that data can make suggestions it can make relationships clear but it cannot prove anything research studies aren't designed to prove things they're designed to establish relationships yeah um you certainly there's if there's some natural phenomenon and the more data you have the more assuming it's quality data the more you can uh, make conclusions and suggestions and the more your con greater your confidence that these studies are pointing in a direction but to use the word proof again it shows in my opinion some degree of naivete um, as to the ability of these types of studies to um, make conclusions that firm. Sure. And especially uh, allowing the conclusion to be about one of those interventions when there was such a, a hodgepodge of interventions done all at once, which again, terrible study design if we're trying to isolate a variable as something that's going to affect a relationship right i'm going to say something controversial but true vegans don't know how to isolate variables in my experience sorry um it's a fundamental challenge in every paper that i read coming from that from that movement okay another paper uh, lead author is Caldwell Esselstein. Uh, this was published in 2014. And the title of the paper is a way, it's a question, a way to reverse CAD, CAD, which stands for coronary artery disease. Again, the number one killer in America. Um, and so again, let's look at the structure. Uh, this study involved 198 people. Uh, these are 198 people who approached Dr. Esselstein's group who came forward expressing interest in adopting a vegan uh, diet uh, to help with their coronary artery disease. So right there, there's a major problem with selection bias. 
Yes, so we can't call this a randomized controlled trial. The random is gone now. Yeah. In fact, there's no control group in that study. So th there's nothing to compare it to. Oh, this is that one. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's no comparison. It's just, hey, people change the way they're eating and they saw improvement in health measures, you know, diabetes, blood pressure, and that type of thing. But it wasn't standardized. There's no control group. It wasn't randomized. It, it's just sort of an observational, hey, look, this is what we saw. And to the layperson, it may seem like, hey, that's good evidence. Uh, there's a thousand ways to make mistakes in interpreting that type of study. Uh, so one response to that that I have, at least uh, the, the thought that's prompted with that study, Esselstein, is what data was collected as far as the, these people's baseline um, and, you know, how many of them did make a change? How extensive was that change? And, and you'd want to know where they started because if, if people are going around eating the, the standard American diet currently, um, that would be a huge change or were they close to that before? Every diet, in parentheses, diet, every diet is better than the standard American diet. Mm -hmm. you, you, whether it's Mediterranean, low fat, low carb, carnivore, vegan, every diet out there is better than the standard American diet. Why is that? Standard American diet is rife with processed foods, rife with seed oils. It is based on convenience and building uh, or selling a product, not meeting a nutritional need. Yeah. It, when a person adopts a diet, the bottom line is they're adopting a system of scrutinizing what they're eating. That right there explains the vast majority of the benefits uh, that exist in all the diets. Right. So the vegan diet is no different in that sense. It is better, no question, than, than the standard American diet. Yet what I find in reading the literature from those circles is they'll compare outcomes or measures of health among people who adopt the vegan lifestyle and they'll compare it to the standard American diet. But their conclusion, the way they refer to it as that it's proving that it's better, it's the best diet for longevity and health in general. So again, just a major disconnect in the way data is being um, scrutinized and used. Mm -hmm. Of course, in the literature, there are other, um, other groups that have looked at and scrutinized the data. Uh, there's one fairly famous group called the Cochrane Review. This is con they're considered sort of an objective third-party group who looks at data. The published literature by topic could be cholesterol. You know, they'll attack the question of does lowering cholesterol really result in lowering the risk of heart attacks? Some question, and they'll look at all the publications and really give an assessment of the quality of data and what direction all of that data points. And this group, the Cochran group and several others have looked at this question of, well, does the vegan diet improve health? Um, and it's very interesting, essentially all of them come to the same conclusion and then they, they use the same language. Um, essentially in the Cochran review, what they said is um, there's really not enough information. 
sure. not enough information to make major conclusions about whether the vegan diet is better than any other diet or will reverse coronary artery disease. Essentially, there are more questions than answers. And the language they use also includes the idea that, look, the vegan diet probably has effects similar to other diets as it relates to heart disease and health. So these objective, hopefully objective third-party groups are really, it sounds like coming to the same conclusions that, well, it, maybe, but the, the data is not there. There's not enough information to really make anything approaching the conclusions that vegans are making. The thing I love about a Cochrane review is that they're so interested in the quality of the research that they're using in order to answer these questions, um, as opposed to a single isolated study that we just, you know, picked apart a little bit where it's, there are certain claims that are made and the way the study was designed was so problematic, but then having someone who really specializes in looking at research, look at research studies and say, eh, this is not going to meet our standards. This doesn't have enough um, information. This doesn't have the power. It doesn't have the proper design in order to be able to draw conclusions and they'll omit um, studies based on that criteria. And I think that's really important for people to understand. It's not just looking at the study plus the study plus the study. It has to meet certain filters. Uh, something that's telling to me in these sort of third-party reviews is they will almost always include a statement in their conclusions that people following a vegan diet need to be followed closely by a physician or dietitian who's uh, acquainted, familiar with the diet, and knows how to identify and manage deficiencies. So there's a question. Um, Maybe the vegan diet is not the end-all be-all to reversing coronary artery disease and helping us all live a lot longer. Um, I will say their emphasis on whole foods, I applaud. Um, I'm no fan of the processed food industry. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows that. And so I absolutely agree with uh, the representatives of the vegan lifestyle that whole foods that are unprocessed is the way to go for anybody. That being said, it is well known that someone who's strict vegan is at high risk for certain deficiencies in their diet. So from a micronutrient standpoint, B12, omega-3s, zinc, calcium, magnesium, choline, iodine, iron, vitamin D, but then there's that huge issue of protein, right? And what issue? Should, uh, yeah, yeah, it should be fine. If we eat enough uh, peanut butter, we'll, we'll get enough protein, right? Um, just looking at the, the essential amino acids that are present in animal proteins that are present or require, excuse me, required for certain enzymatic and regulatory functions in our bodies, uh, the relative ratios and the profiles of those essential amino acids are vastly skewed in plant proteins and not providing sufficient amounts of essential amino acids that our bodies need in order to grow and develop. And it becomes a huge issue, especially for children in that situation that are being raised on a vegan diet. Right. It's much easier to get essential amino acids from animal sourced proteins by far. No question. Um, it's possible with a plant-based diet takes a lot more effort and a lot more organization and preparation to do that, which again, in my opinion, that says something. 
Um, and these essential amino acids, they're essential for a reason. They are so important for health and longevity. And in the last podcast, I mentioned the study that showed that generally speaking, at least according to a couple of studies, um, people who eat animals, people who eat meat, animal products, tracking for everything else, they have more muscle and they have more strength. Which, if you are into the literature on longevity, those are some of the two most powerful predictors of longevity. Muscle mass and muscle strength. Um, so the implication there is pretty significant. Um, there's a researcher or a speaker with a background in agriculture, uh, Peter Ballerstedt. Uh, he jokes and he says, you're not what you eat. You look at a cow, you look at grass, those are not the same thing. Uh, ruminants in particular have this incredible capacity to upcycle. They eat grass, it's got some amino acids in it. Those ruminants, those cows, upcycle. In other words, they generate um, what are essential amino acids for us. We cannot do that. It's impossible for us. Our bodies cannot do that. And so that's an, it's a miracle of nature. And in order to get those, or the easiest way to get those essential, essential amino acids is by eating those animals that upcycle. Outside of that, it's very difficult to get those essential amino acids. And I've joked before that to do it right, to do it well, and to get everything in, you need to, as a vegan, you sort of have to be a chemical engineer. In other words, it's, it's pretty laborious, and you have to be thinking about so many different deficiencies. And to me, again, it says something that's very suggestive as far as what optimal nutrition looks like. Another matter is the context or the day in which we live. Look, 12% of Americans are healthy from a metabolic perspective. In other words, this is a this is a massive problem for us. Obesity, diabetes, coronary disease, inflammatory diseases. And that's the context in which we live. And I think people need some guidance and help making sense of all the claims that are out there. And it may be that in just the right circumstances, a vegan diet is a very doable and healthy thing. I would argue in the day we live with what's going on with our health, it's better than the standard American diet, but there's a better way to do things. And I think we really need to be open to getting some, if not uh, majority of our nutrients from animals. So um, 25 years ago, I was a third year medical student and on my surgical rotation, uh, there was a professor of surgery, James Holcroft. Uh, to this day, I would say he's probably the most intelligent human being I've ever spent time with. Uh, but more than that, he was just an impressive character. He had so much integrity. He was such an inspiration. He's one of the core people that have inspired me in my career. Anyway, um, I mentioned him because he was very adamant that I learned how to read the scientific literature. And I would, he'd, I'd have an assignment to review an article and present it to him and to the group. And, and it, you know, it was an assessment of 
my ability to assess literature based on study design and statistical analyses and all of that. And I hated it at the time. I felt like I was awful at it, but I'm very grateful that he put me through that. They put me through that and it's stayed with me. But it's, in my opinion, something that's lacking in medical schools, and that is a rigorous training on how to analyze and interpret scientific literature. And it's estimated that it's a small minority of published peer-reviewed articles that have valid conclusions based on the data presented in the article. In other words, there's a problem with the design, Mm -hmm. structure, statistical methods that essentially the article's not valid. Which is terrifying. Extremely. Yet if something is published, it can be used in the media or reported in the media in a way that it sounds very, very convincing. And it's certainly a realm where the idea is true that, look, you can believe very little of what you hear or what you read. Unfortunately, you think of medical science as being just black and white. It's there on paper. It's just not true, unfortunately. So in closing, let's summarize um, the vegan diet. It has pros, benefits. It's better than the standard American diet, heavily processed high sugar Uh, heavy seed oil content foods, it's better because it focuses on whole, uh, natural, unprocessed foods. And uh, the vegans I know are wonderful people and want good things for themselves and for other things. I just think uh, there are some drawbacks to some of the science they refer to and use in, in advocating that lifestyle in People who are following a vegan lifestyle really need to be conscientious in monitoring and supplementing for deficiencies in minerals and essential amino acids. So I feel like it's a fair conclusion to say that the science that's touted as supporting a vegan diet as being superior from a health standpoint doesn't necessarily add up to the claims that it's making. I agree. The claims are unsupported, generally speaking. Um, I'm very comfortable saying that. So, we need to consume animal-sourced foods. Um, Meds, meat, eggs, dairy, seafood. Do some fasting, lift some weights, eat animals, get good sleep. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Kate, for contributing to this conversation. Uh, We'll see you next time. Thank you.